Welcome to the Medical Association of Georgia's award-winning Top Doc Show. With more than 8,000 members who care for patients in every specialty and practice setting, MAG is the leading voice for physicians in Georgia. Go to mag.org to join MAG if you're a physician in Georgia. And thanks to MAG Insurance Agency for its support as a sponsor. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Top Docs. I'm your host and MAG Director of Government Relations and General Counsel, Bethany Scherer. Today's episode addresses ways to advance diversity, inclusion, and equity within the medical profession and the overall healthcare system. Our guest is Dr. Leticia Bilbrew, who is a board-certified orthopedic surgeon with Resurgence Orthopedics and a member of MAG's Task Force on Diversity. Before we get started, I would like to note that Dr. Bilbrew gave a great talk on diversity, inclusion, and equity in MAG's recent House of Delegates meeting on Jekyll Island. Welcome, and our sincere thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Can you give us the abbreviated version of your life story? My life story. So I was uh, born in England um, to parents who were also born in England. And it's always a fun conversation because everyone asks if I'm military and I say, no, we're just black people from England. Um, my background is my family's Jamaican. We migrated here um, in the 90s to Florida. Um, always known I've wanted to be a doctor from the time that um, I kind of saw my grandmother mistreated in an English hospital. Um, and it's what has really motivated me to say as a physician, I want to make sure that um, every patient really understands their diagnosis, their prognosis, because I really saw her mistreated in the healthcare system. Um, so grew up in Florida, once we migrated to the US, went to the University of Miami, um, and then went to medical school at Morehouse School of Medicine, who you know are big on primary care and talking to your patients and having empathy. So it was a great background. And then from there matched into orthopedics where I did my training at the University of Texas Medical Branch at Galveston, and then a fellowship in hand and upper extremity at the University of Florida and decided to come back in 2017 um, to practice. And I'm currently with the Surgeons Orthopedics with offices in Decatur and Snellville. And how do you define diversity? Diversity is really just the state of being different. Um, it's, it's just an appearance. It's saying in a room, um, there isn't just one look. And if we're talking about specifically uh, people, it could be um, as far as their race, their gender, their religion. So it is just, it's the appearance of being different. And what about inclusion? So diversity is, is you know, a description. Inclusion is more of an interaction. It is the act of incorporation of diversity um, into um, a process. And what's the difference between equality and equity? So equality means that we all start, start out the same, okay? And I always give, um, you know, the description or, or the picture I have up is uh, if there's a fence and you have people of different height and they're trying to watch a game, right? Equality is saying we all have, we're all going to get to watch the game. Equity is the process in making sure everybody's successful in doing so. So if you have the gate or the fence and the fence is five foot and you have one person who's six foot, they're good. They can see the game. If you have someone else that's three foot, they may require 
two boxes to stand on to see the game. And then if somebody is only a foot tall, they may require four. Um, to kind of tie those, those all together, I always say, you know, to talk about diversity, inclusion, and, and equity, diversity is um, being asked to a dance, okay? We, we've been asked, we've been invited, and we got our invitation. Um, inclusion is being then asked to actually dance. So we got our party going on. Inclusion is saying, I want you to come dance with me. Equity is saying, now you get to be on the party planning committee. It's a great example and illustration. How can medical practices and the overall healthcare system become more diverse? You know, I think it starts from, from the, the top down. And so we have to be intentional about um, our hiring process. We have to be open about it. And we have to be able to identify our own biases um, and, and realize that we have biases and, and that's not, that doesn't make us villains. Um, so it starts with the discussion of, you know, how do we hire people? How do we fire people? How do we celebrate people in the workplace? Um, if we don't have these conversations, then it's never brought up. And so you just have this very passive way of looking at diversity and inclusion and equity and just saying, well, these are just hot words. It's going to happen. No, there, there has to be committees on it, like what the Medical Association of Georgia has done. Um, and on those committees, we have to make sure that we set our standards and that we set our goals and make sure that we actually accomplish them. What can we as individuals do to affect change? I think the first thing is to understand that we all have biases. Like I said before, um, people that say, I don't see color, I'm like, then you must be colorblind. We all have biases and it is a result of the way that we've been brought up. It's a result of our cultures. And again, there's nothing wrong with a bias as long as it does not affect someone's opportunity of growth or getting a job or being treated equally um, and equitably as, as, for example, like my grandmother. So once we identify that we have these things to hold us up, then we're honest with, with ourselves. Then we can be honest in the workplace. Um, I always use the example of, of some of my partners who have said, you know what, never really worked with a female physician or I've never worked with a black female physician. And I love that. I love that you can be open enough um, to actually say that and then say, you know, what can I do to make sure that your, your involvement in your process and in, in coming to this company is comfortable? I think healthcare systems need to start doing that. Um, and whether it's from, you know, the groundskeeping janitorial staff all the way up into the C-suite. You touched on this a little bit, but why is open dialogue so important? Uh, that's the only way we affect change, right? Um, we can sit there and we can um, ignore the fact that we are, are in a time where there are tensions, there are racial tensions, there are um, tensions based on gender, based on sexual orientation, or we can face it head on. And if anyone should be leading this discussion, it's, it's physicians and healthcare workers. We deal with some of the most uncomfortable topics that there are to deal about it. I mean, ask a urologist, you know? <laughs> we, we deal with things that, that everyday people cringe at. Um, and therefore I feel like um, physicians, we can be the leaders in talks about diversity and equity and inclusion. We should be the leaders. And yet healthcare is lagging behind um, every other area. You know, the technology folks, Apple, Google, they got it. You know, engineering, they got it. Um, Fortune 500 companies, 
they have it. But in healthcare, we don't seem to. Um, and it's because we're, we're trying to just fit in. We're trying to just, okay, check the block, as I like to say, and, and have it a part of our, um, you know, the, the yearly, we have to do something on radiation. We have to do something on diversity. We have to do something on sexual harassment. And, and that doesn't cut it. You know, this isn't just a, a one line okay, make sure that you're nice to the person that uh, may be a different color from you. Um, this goes to so much more. It spills down into patient care and that's why it's, it should be important to us. So what are intentional onboarding programs? Intentional onboarding programs, it, it all goes back to identifying biases. It is, it is the people that are in charge of hiring to say, let's take a look at our process. How do we how do we weed out CVs and resumes? Um, how do we choose who gets the opportunity um, to get a raise or the opportunity to maybe get a higher position and, and stop and, and look at it and say, is this something subjective or do we actually have an objective way of doing it? Most of the time it's pretty subjective. Well, I know this person and I, I've, I've talked to this person rather than saying, um, you know, if you know someone, it might be because you just know them from hanging out with them on the golf course, you know, do they really match up to another person? Um, do we have a good representation of the people that we serve in a leadership role? So what is purposeful sponsorship? So sponsorship, um, you know, that I talk about sponsorship when I, I go back to mentorship. Um, and, and that's because, when we talk about what are things that we can do to help increase diversity, to help increase the, the differences that we see or diminish the, the, the negative differences that we see, uh, one of the active things we can do is mentorship, okay? And mentorship and sponsorship are two different things. Mentorship is just the act of saying, okay, I'm gonna show you the ropes. I'm gonna give you a different perspective. Uh, come shadow me in clinic. Sponsorship is active. It's advocating for that person. It's taking a direct role in the advancement of the mentee and then advocating for their protege um, to say, I'm going to put my arm around you. I'm going to make sure that you're successful. Mentorship is just saying, okay, I'm going to show you, hey, this is what I do. Uh, if you want to do it, best of luck to you. Um, sponsorship says, I'm going to create a blueprint and a pipeline which fosters a culture and work environment for upward mobility, no matter what you're trying to do. So besides some of the things we've already talked about, what actions can medical practices and other healthcare organizations take to affect sustainable changes? Um, you know, I think it starts at, um, I always go back to our biases. I think it starts with just that open conversation. We don't, I focus on that because we just don't have it because it's uncomfortable. Um, and I like doing these types of presentations because that's where change starts. It starts with a reflection of ourselves. Um, as physicians, we have something called m, &M Morbidity and Mortality Conference, no matter what field you're in. And it's where when we make a mistake, we go back and we dissect why did we make this mistake and how do we prevent it from happening ever again, right? Whether it's something as small as a, um, you know, in surgery as a superficial uh, skin infection after surgery versus something as bad as, you know, the patient died. And, and it doesn't, 
always mean that something went, that we did something intentionally wrong, right? Because that's negligence and malpractice. It's that we could have done better somewhere. Now, if we take the same M&M stance to um, medical problems as we did to the problem of the lack of diversity and the lack of inclusion and the lack of the of equity in healthcare, um, we'll be in a different place today than we are 10 years from now. I, I want us to start dissecting um, every process, how you look at your patients, how you hire your front desk staff, how you choose who your next partner is, how you interview, you know, the next resident that's coming through. Let's start to dissect it. Let's start to look for where we can improve. And let's start to be honest with the fact that we've made mistakes. Can you suggest any good websites or other resources for our audience? I love this question because I said, yes, I can. www.google.com. <laughs> this is the world wide web. And thankfully, um, topics on DEI is the new hotspot for every area, not just medicine, like I said, in technology technology and engineering and pharmacy and pharmaceuticals. Um, when people ask me that, I'm like, pick up a book, you know, type it into the website and say, and just literally put in DEI. And there is a list of, of valuable reading and blogs and, um, you know, items like that. Uh, I tell, I, I'm in the Atlanta area, but I tell folks, listen, if you need me to come do my very uncomfortable talk and, um, you know, Bethany, if you heard my talk it's uncomfortable, <laughs> but that is where it starts. We have to get uncomfortable and say, what am I doing wrong? There's nothing nice about, you know, if I have a complication in surgery and I got to stare at that patient and tell them, well, this is not what I wanted to have happen, but you know what? Here's how I'm going to fix it. That's the approach that we take. That's why you get online and say, well, if I don't know, let me let me email Dr. Bill Booth, call her up and talk to her about her experiences as a black woman in a white male dominated field and ask, how do I not do the things that made you uncomfortable? Let me Google, you know, some of the strategies that I need to do with my staff or with my patients to ensure that they never feel uncomfortable and separate. So besides calling you, if they get into these sort of situations or Googling things, as we have already talked about, do you have any advice or suggestions for your fellow physicians? I do. And, and it's, it is this, is that um, the first is having the conversation. I think that you, physicians that are in either small groups or big groups, um, you find a time where you can sit down and the example I use is everybody write down a question or a comment anonymously, put it in a box, start pulling it out and start talking. That's a great place to start, not just with physicians, but also with staff, you know, with your nurses or your front desk staff or what have you. Um, have a conversation and understand it's going to be uncomfortable, um, but start with the conversation. And then the second thing is be, be a little bit more introspective. Um, and take your time when you talk to people. The reason why we became physicians is because we wanted to affect change and we wanted to affect positive change. Um, think about your interactions with people that don't look like you, whether it is based on their color of their skin, based on um, how they, uh, what religion they are, or how they view their gender or the fluency of which they do it. And 
make sure you're not inappropriate. Take your time, be gentle, be empathetic, be understanding. So what are your key takeaway messages? I go back to the party, you know, diversity. You got to you got to take it to the party. That's great. A lot of us get invited to a party in a sense, and then we're never invited to dance. And so what, how do you feel when you're that diverse part person where you're the person who gets the ticket to the party and then you're on the wall? It doesn't feel good. Inclusion is someone's come up to you and said, let's go dance. Now you're feeling good. Now you're like, great. But then you start to look around and you're like, there's some things I would change about this dance. I don't really, equity is now someone's given you through the purposeful sponsorship opportunity to be on that homecoming planning committee for the dance. If people could just remember those analogies, I think they'll have a greater insight on how they can affect change. Our sincere thanks to Dr. Belbrew for addressing some really important issues today. I would also like to thank and applaud the rest of our tireless and heroic physicians and allied healthcare professionals and staff for everything they do every day. From everybody at MAG, thanks for watching and we'll catch up with you on the next edition of Top Docs. Thank you. Thanks for watching this episode of Top Docs. Please share this program with your colleagues and family and friends. Remember to follow MAG on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget that you can get past episodes of the show at mag.org backslash topdocs. From everybody at MAG, we look forward to catching up with you on our next episode of Top Docs.